What Remains Inside Chapter 6 I don't remember anything about the drive home except Led Zeppelin's Fool in the Rain playing on the radio. I watched the gray road beneath the car pass in a blur. I couldn't cry or talk. I couldn't move. I felt in some way that I now had learned to be bionic or superhuman in a way. I could withstand anything because I no longer had any feelings. I listened to the song lyrics and I realized that what used to seem romantic had actually been a warning. This is a terrible mess. It's a storm. And the idea that I shouldn't have doubted my feelings was so stupid. The wind blew through the open car window and I closed my eyes. I woke when we pulled into the driveway. Keith kept the car running. No one really said much, but I said, thanks for the ride. Keith smiled, probably confused by this honor. I noticed Dad's Mustang in the driveway. I looked at our little house, a small ranch house in the suburban tract community. The houses were so close together, but no one acted like they knew us. At one time they had been friendly, before my father started having affairs again. I took a deep breath and I could feel the blood rushing out of me again. My stomach cramped and I felt small in my body. I felt I was shrinking and that my purple striped tights would slip off and run down my legs as the blood had in the bathroom at the abortion clinic. Keith backed up and Nora waved at us. Terry smiled at me and we walked into the house. Dad was sitting on the couch in his torn up white bathrobe. Hi, kiddo, he said. Hi, Dad, I said. Where you been? Out with Terry and Keith and Nora. Uh-huh. He said, then looked down at the paper he was reading. My brother was sitting in front of the television, watching cartoons and eating a bowl of Apple Jacks. He looked up briefly when I walked by, and he waved to me. I looked around, and the house seemed relatively calm, which was creepy. It was as if this were a Twilight Zone episode, and I had walked into a different reality. I walked into the bedroom I shared with my sister and found my mother in there folding sheets. She had a pile of clean sheets on the bed. She was just snuffing out a cigarette when I went into the room. Where have you been, baby? She asked. Come help me fold sheets. I walked slowly because my stomach was cramping and I suddenly felt very tired. I looked down at the green plush pile carpet she had put in a year ago. The light was coming through the window at the end of the bed. It made a yellow square on the carpet. I stared at that spot for a minute. It looked warm and inviting. I had an intensely strong urge to lie down on the rug and close my eyes. In my thoughts, I could see the carpet pile up close, the fibers under a squinted eye. I'm not feeling well, I told her. What's wrong, Donna? Terry, who was right behind me, spoke up. She's having her period. Oh, is that all? Come help me fold sheets. Terry reached for the sheets to help me. I didn't ask you, my mother snapped. Terry stared at her for a moment and then walked out of the room. I picked up two corners of the sheets and folded them in unison with my mother on the other end folding. She smiled at me and stared at me for a moment. We folded sheets together in silence. What's going on, Donna? She asked. For a moment, I thought of the little girl in the abortion clinic and her mother. For a moment, I thought I heard the same compassion in my mother's voice. I thought maybe I could trust her. I wanted to trust her because I didn't have anybody to protect me, not any adult not Ryan Todd. I was going to start school in a few days and I would have to go in and be this new person that I had become, this person that I wasn't, 
before summer started. I wanted someone, maybe my mother, to help me know what to do next. I sat down on the bed and started crying. My mother looked at me. What is it, Donna? She asked. Don't tell Dad, okay? What? I just don't want Dad to know, I said. What happened? Did somebody rape you? No, I said. I got pregnant. Her eyes perked up and she stared at me intently. You're pregnant? No, not anymore, I said. What do you mean, not anymore? I had an abortion. Oh my God, Donna, my mother said and stood still for a moment. When did you have an abortion? Today, I said. Oh my fuck, no. Paul, get in here. Mom, I said, don't tell dad. What is it? My dad yelled from the couch. I could hear the paper rustling as he put it down. Jesus Christ, he said. And I knew this was the start of his disgust with our family, with my mother's drama. My father walked from the living room to my bedroom. He stood in the doorway, clenched his teeth and squinted. What the hell is it now? He asked. Tell your father what you just told me, my mother said. I felt my heart drop. I didn't even know that I still loved my dad until that moment. I didn't know that I still hoped he thought I was special, like he had when I was a little kid. No, Mom, I said. Tell him. But she blurted it out. Donna just got back from an abortion. It sounded so scripted, so unreal. Or maybe it was just implausible. A what? My dad said. He hunched his shoulders over and leaned in so he could hear more clearly. I was pregnant, Dad. I had an abortion. I started to cry, and more than anything, I wanted to curl up in that spot on the floor. Before he could say anything, my mother said, I have to fucking get her absolved. You go to hell for having an abortion. Did you know that? Oh, for Christ's sake, stop it, my dad said. I know a priest from when I worked in the psych hospital. He would forgive some of the worst. He forgave drug dealers, child rapists. I'm going to call him and take you to see him. I don't want to, Mom. Don't tell me you don't want to. You just had an abortion. My mother rushed out of the room. She brushed past my father who tightened the belt on his robe. I looked at my dad. He looked at me. He was uncomfortable with me since I had become a teenager. Didn't know what to do with girls. He had been embarrassed when I asked him to take me to get pantyhose for a school dance last year. I'm sorry, I said to my father. He leaned into my room and slowly said, just be glad you don't have a fucking kid to drag around. He nodded his head and left the room. I sat down on my bed and started to cry. I put my head in my hands and I cried silently, but tears streamed down my face and stained my clothes. I felt someone touching my back. I looked up and my little brother Scott was sitting beside me. Don't be sad, he said. He was only 10 years old and he put his hand on my shoulder and started to cry. I put my head down and wept some more. My mother rushed back to my room. She had her pocketbook on her arm. Let's go, she said. Where, I asked. I got in touch with Father John. He understands the situation and has agreed to a confession. Thank God. Remarkably, my mother didn't say anything to me on the drive. She just smoked her Winston cigarettes and exhaled through a crack in the window. She bit on her thumbnail and looked straight ahead. The church was in the south end of New Bedford. We drove past the two-story tenements where all the poor women 
who used to work in the clothing mills, used to live. We drove down Rodney French Boulevard in the South End, past East Beach. I looked out the window. A lot of kids from New Bedford High hung out there. It was late afternoon and the air was cooling off. The yellow light of the cooling sun cast a pretty glow on the water. The beach sand was probably still warm. A few people were still scattered on the small strip of narrow beach that was beside the main road. Most had on sweatshirts or a towel around them. Maybe Ryan was there. Maybe he was one of the silhouetted figures huddled next to another person. Outside of the window was a world that I couldn't be a part of. Instead, I was held hostage day after day. Still on the outside to other people, I looked normal. I might even have looked like someone who could become popular. My mother pulled into the church parking lot. The church was closed up and dark. He's in his apartment, she said. He was nice enough to see us there on such short notice. We opened the doors of the building where the priest lived. I looked at my mother. She had dressed up for the visit. She had on her green dressy pants that she wore when she went out to bars. She had on a polyester shirt with large paisley and flowers all over it. Her hair was tied back in a scarf. I walked slowly up the stairs. Come on, she said. I stopped in the entryway and I looked at her for a moment. I couldn't understand it, but I felt it. She was trying to smother me. She was trying to squeeze all of the joy out of me. And when she was done with that, she would keep squeezing until the life was gone. I could feel the pressure of her weight. She wanted to see if she could kill me. Don't you dare look at me like that, she said, not after what you've done. I walked slowly up the stairs, and when we got to the top, a young priest was standing in the hallway. He wore his cleric's clothing, black pants, black shirt, and white collar. He was probably 30 years old. He had short, black, curly hair and deep blue eyes. He had a soft-looking face and long hands. Please come in, he said, and motioned for us to enter. The room was small and neat. There were two tapestry chairs and a ladder-back chair around a small table. On the table were a Bible and a few books of literature and poetry. I noticed one book by Henry David Thoreau. I knew the book because my dad always talked about it and how he'd like to spend his life in the woods alone, like Thoreau. Please sit. I sat down and stared into the room at nothing. My mother sat down. Father, Donna, my daughter has had an abortion. My mother started to cry, and the priest who was now sitting in the ladder back chair leaned in closer and looked at my mother compassionately. My mother went on. It sounded like a soap opera script, the way she said it. I know the Catholic Church considers this murder. We are Catholics. Is there any way you can absolve her of this? He looked at my mother seriously for a moment. He leaned in closer and spoke softly but directly. She's a child. She's 15, my mother said. Yes, but she's a child. There is nothing to forgive. God understands. She is just a child. My lips started to quiver and I closed my eyes. Can you absolve her, Father? I will say a prayer for her to heal, to find peace and protection. He looked at me. May I do that, Donna? I nodded. He put his hand on my head. Jesus, go with this girl, protect her, help her to find love and safety. I started to cry again, and he took my hand, and he looked me in the eye. God loves you. Okay, I said. 
I walked back to the car slowly. I was so tired. I took a deep breath, and when I let it out, I felt blood rushing out of me again. My mother was saying something, but I couldn't hear her. I was looking at the sky and thinking about East Beach. I was remembering how nice it is when the sun turns orange at dusk and the sand starts to cool. I imagined Ryan and Stacy out there, probably laughing. Maybe she was fixing him a snack or organizing their things, preparing to go home. Just another normal day. The waves at East Beach would be calm unless a boat was passing by. East Beach was a protected harbor surrounded by a hurricane dike made of light orange boulders. East Beach was unlike the ocean. It was calm and predictable. Across the harbor, you could see Fairhaven, where I used to live before we moved to New Bedford. That was when my dad had been a biologist in Woods Hole. If you scanned the horizon, you could see Fort Phoenix and the boatyard. You could always see tugs or fishing boats coming and going. It was a pretty New England scene, even though lately they had been saying the harbor was very polluted. I opened the car door and the inside of the car was hot. I was still wearing my jeans and sweater and my body felt overheated. I was dizzy. I gave in to the dizziness and I thought I heard the priest's words again. She's a child. She's done nothing wrong. God loves her. I looked at my mother. She turned and looked me in the eye before she started the car. We stared at each other for a moment without saying anything. She lit a cigarette and turned the ignition key. Let's go home, she said to herself softly.